This is Two Girls, Two One Ghost. One Ghost. And this episode of Two Girls, One Ghost is sponsored by Brooklinen. Corinne, not to call you out, but what? I talked to you yesterday and you were wearing the same shirt. Well, because <laughs> yesterday when we talked, I was already in my pajamas okay. and I haven't gotten ready for the day yet. So I'm still in my pajamas. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Uh, I know. Whatever, I'm home. Things. I can be gross. Yeah, you can. I'm jealous. It's 90 degrees inside my office. Yeah, it's like that here too. They just There's a heat wave. Yeah, going across the Americas. Yay! I'm gonna be in a pool all weekend. What do you where? I don't know yet. I'm just gonna find a pool. <laughs> just find one. Jump over a fence and join in with some family fun at my neighbor's house. I feel like we haven't recorded in so long because we haven't. It's been been a week or two. It's been a couple weeks because yeah. you were in Paris. So how was Paris? Sorry, I don't want to tell you. I'm kidding. Tell me everything. Did you eat chocolate croissants? Did I eat chocolate croissants every single morning for breakfast? Like they don't eat yeah. anything else for breakfast. It's just a pastry and espresso. How is everyone so skinny? Oh. I don't they know. They smoke cigarettes. Yeah, they smoke a lot of cigarettes. And they eat portion sizes that are probably more accurate for yeah. humans. And they walk a ton. Like, I was walking mm. 11 miles a day, if not more. Whoa. Yeah. What kind of shoes did you bring? Mostly, I was wearing my sneakers or Converse, but I also one day decided to be cute and wear little wedges or, like, heels. Oh, that was a mistake, and my I'm sure. Feet were, my sister and I had to switch shoes because I was oh. dying. I actually cannot wear Converse. I have never been able to wear Converse. They're not that comfortable. Okay, well, that makes me feel better yeah. because everyone's like, oh, like what? you need a pair of white Converse. It's like a staple. There's something about, like, my proportions in my body that it makes me look like a clown when I wear them. And I'm not kidding, and I'm not exaggerating. I've had multiple people go into Converse stores with me, <laughs> and every single person's like, yeah, you can't do that. Yes, I agree. They do sometimes look like clown shoes. Like, I can't wear high tops because those ones look like clown shoes on me. Yeah. Okay, so in Paris, I went to the catacombs, which I updated people on our Facebook page. But it was, I mean, it's one thing to talk about it, but it is another just to go see it. It's, I don't even know how to, I don't, I can't even put it into words. It is, I felt very overwhelmed because you walk in and it's just floor to ceiling bones. Mm. and it's real which is and so it's real creepy. and my mom's like taking her phone out trying to take selfies and i'm like uh no yeah well it's hard because it's a tourist attraction right and everyone wants to take photos you went all the way to paris and bought a ticket to go into the catacombs right. but at the same time it's like where do you draw the line between like oh this is a fun attraction and everyone's doing it yeah and like i want to have respect for the dead yeah i mean i took photos of the skulls and the bones because i think yeah it is really fascinating and these were real people but i think it's a whole other one to take a selfie when you're just like smiling and these bones are behind you because it's a little disrespectful yeah. i guess it depends on the person who whose body belonged to and how because if it was feel. my body i'd be like put it on your shoulder <laughs> wear it as a purse like it doesn't matter i'm not using it anymore do whatever have fun <laughs> <laughs> oh man if only i could talk to all of those 
those souls and ask them, hey, is this your bone? Um, that was the other thing. That was the other thing that was kind of overwhelming is that it's there's just a ton of skulls. And then it's, I think it's femur bones. I'm not positive. But they're, it's like all of the same bone. So it's clearly it's just like a ton of different people's body parts scattered, mm-hmm. which is also just a weird thought of like, okay, these were people, but now their bones are just scattered among these tunnels underneath Paris and like they aren't together with the rest of their body. Yeah. Just a little weird. Yeah. But it, I mean, but really underground, that's like the old cemeteries. That's pretty much how it is too. Everything moves and shifts yeah. and muddy season comes and some of the bones slide into another grave. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's a little different, but it was really cool. And I was so proud of myself because when you go through, we did one of those audio tours. And so we were listening to like, all the history of it. And I was like, I know all of this. I <laughs> talked about all of this. Oh, um, how was the haunted Airbnb that you were in? That's what I really want to hear about. Uh, I survived, but I slept next to... You're here now, so... I slept next to a debook box the entire time. And I swear, I have a photo of it with an orb in front of it. I posted it on our Instagram story. Yeah. I mean, nothing came out of it, but I definitely scared my whole family because I was like, oh my God, I don't want to sleep in my room alone. I don't, why did I pick this room? And my sister came in and she was like, it's nothing. And then she goes to open it. I was like, don't open it. It's going to possess you. And she like full on jumped and went. <laughs> and it's funny because my sister works in an emergency room. So she is super, she's like a huge hypochondriac and always thinks that the worst of any kind of symptom she thinks you're dying and then here i am and i'm like oh these people are gonna murder us and my mom is like you too are the most cynical people ever and you have such dark thoughts and i was like someone's got to do it someone has to think of all the possibilities right that's how that's part of survival yeah you know you got to think about all the things that could happen and prepare yourself so that you can escape and you can survive. Yeah. I mean, it was weird because so the Airbnb we stayed at was three different like rent like rental properties, but it was all connected. So there was like behind our couch in the living room was a door that was locked, but the owners had the key and could like come in and there was another door upstairs that was locked but it went into another airbnb and i was like they could come in at any time they could sneak in at night they have all the keys so it was less about paranormal no it was both activity and oh gosh. <laughs> because speaking of being paranoid i literally so my my parents i have my mom on find my friends mm-hmm. and my parents usually always respond to texts or phone calls within like an hour right my brother was trying to get a hold of them last week and they went off the grid for like three hours. And the Find My Friends wasn't working. He said, like, oh my God. it's not available. I tried calling them both. And now I know that they just weren't in service. But that's scary. So I was like, oh, my God, they're getting murdered. So I actually had a friend, one of my mom's friends, drive over and do a wellness check on my parents. Oh, my gosh. And they weren't home. But one of their cars was missing. So I was like, okay, so at least they're like out somewhere and they're not at home being murdered. <laughs> and it turns out they were drinking at a bar and that's why they weren't responding. Oh my gosh. They're lucky yeah. to have you though, because there aren't many people who 
would call a friend to check on their parents. Usually it's the opposite. The parents checking on the kid. (laughs) And like, so I contacted three people. So my mom had to like message those three people after and be like, we're alive. Corinne just listens to too many (laughs) scary podcasts and watches too many murder shows. So we're fine. It was only three hours. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Better safe than sorry. I agree. I, you know, there's no harm in checking and there's no harm in caring about people in your life. Mm Mm-mm. They have a responsibility. If you have children, you have a responsibility of letting them know where you are at all times. <laughs> it's the opposite with me. If you have parents. My parents must always <laughs> let me know where they are. <laughs> Keep their location on and respond to my texts within an hour or I'm going to panic. <laughs> when my mom will call me like three times in a row, I'm like, oh my gosh, something something bad happened. And then I finally call her back and I'm like, are, are you okay? And she goes, hi, how are you, how are you doing? And I was like... Why'd you call three times? I was at work. Like, in the, like I can't answer the phone. And she goes, oh, I just thought you didn't get the call. And I was like, why would you think that? Oh, my gosh. I would straight up panic. Yeah. Yeah, it's scary. Like, my parents have learned that they have to either do no punctuation or an exclamation mark at the end of their texting. Because if they end it with a period, I will take it very seriously. Right. I have trouble in text because I use too many exclamation points. I have to like calm it down with the exclamation points. Calm down. Chill out. Well, you can calm down and chill out in your Brooklyn and sheets. I'm down. Let's do it. I love them. I'm actually, I have them on right now. Are you, oh, you're at work. I was like, are you in them? <laughs> no, uh, sorry. I misspoke. I have them on my bed right now. I wish I was still at home. Nick's still sleeping. Still sleeping in those Brooklyn and sheets. They were founded in April of 2014 by husband and wife team Vicky and Rich Phillip, and their philosophy was the most beautiful, comfortable, home essentials, no crazy prices. You spend a third of your life in your sheets, and they make a difference with how you sleep, so you should start getting better sleep with the best sheets possible, and that's brooklinen.com. You should upgrade your nightly routine and help you feel more rested every day, which is something that we need. You have laryngitis and I've almost lost my voice. <laughs> so we need to spend more time in our Brooklyn and sheets. And these sheets were the winner of the best of online bedding category by Good Housekeeping, which is very reputable. I listen to everything Good Housekeeping. Yes, you do. I am Good Housekeeping. Mrs. Good Housekeeping. Brooklyn and offers versatile colors and patterns, and you can mix and match to complement any decor in your home. This is luxury bedding underpriced. You have to try these sheets today. Like, go home and order the sheets. I have the off-white ones, and they're so great. Even in the hot months, they feel cold and light. They're cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I really like about them right now because it's getting so hot in our bedroom. And rather than like sleeping on top of your comforter, you can still sleep under the sheets and feel cool. Because we all know what happens when you don't sleep under the covers. They grab your feet. And they take you to hell. Not with these sheets. My Brooklyn and sheets are the best. They're the most comfortable sheets I've slept on. And Brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for our listeners. You can get $20 off and free shipping when you use the promo code TGOG at Brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. And the only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code TGOG at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N 
brooklinen.com, promo code T-G-O-G. Brooklinen, these are the best sheets ever that no demon will ever touch your feet. I'm not sure if we can promise that, but it's we think <laughs> it hasn't happened so far with us in our Brooklinen. That's true. I've actually made a deal with the demons under my bed. And in, sorry, I didn't verbally make one, but I was thinking about it last night because I usually sleep with my feet out because I just like the cool air on my feet. But last night I decided I'm going to sleep with my kneecaps out because then <laughs> it still feels cool. It's like the middle part of my leg. So it, it kind of gets everything. And then um, it's not as grabbable. Yeah. It's like a doorknob rather than a That's literally what I was picking. Door handle. <laughs> oh my God. That's funny. That's good. Oh my gosh. I had horrible sleep paralysis this morning. No. Yeah, so last night I got too scared doing the research for this. So I woke up really early in the morning to do it and my eyes were burning looking at the screen. So I was like, I'm just gonna take like a little twenty. Oh my god. And I was on the couch and right now I'm still in Vermont. I'm was home for the fourth of July. Mm -hmm. And so I was napping, taking a little quick nap on the couch, and I saw my mom walk into the room. I was like, this is weird. How can I see her? I'm sleeping. And she comes and she kind of leans over the couch and looks at me. And she takes a couple more steps and leans over and looks at me again. And she comes around the couch and kneels down right in front of my face. And I was thinking like, oh, she's going to wake me up and like tap me and say like, hey, like you have to record soon. Wake up. Did you finish your research? You must have fallen asleep. But then I realized that it wasn't her because she was just so close to my face. Oh my God. Just staring at me and like no breath or movement was happening. Just completely still. And my face, this has never happened to me in sleep paralysis before. I just, like my whole face, I just started crying and my face like got so tight together and I was trying so hard to get myself out of the sleep paralysis that I literally woke up and my hands were in claw, like oh my claw position from how hard I was trying to fight. Fighting, yeah. Oh my gosh. And then my mom came down like 10 minutes later and I was like, I just saw you, but you were wearing a different shirt. And she was like, ooh, that's creepy. And you were giving me sleep paralysis. And you were a demon. Uh, that's terrifying. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm not, so sorry. Oh, here comes yeah, the sun. That was beautiful. <laughs> now you can see my unwashed, unkept <laughs> face and hair. Corinne was just illuminated by a ray of sunshine. I know. Um, God, it's coming in. Should we jump into our stories? Yes. Okay. We decided to do, and this is a scary topic, we decided to mm-hmm. do games to make contact with the spirits. <laughs> and the most common one is the Ouija board, which we've talked about before, but there are so many. Yeah. We've technically sort of done this topic. We did like Bloody Mary, right. Hanukkah-san, but this is a little bit more like step-by-step. Step. Oh, we did the elevator game. Right. I guess we just really like games. We love games, but not these ones. I hate these games. <laughs> No, yeah, I don't no. ever want to play these games. So I chose. It is called Hitori Kakarinbo, and I'm sorry I mispronounced that. I know I did, but I couldn't find one specific pronunciation of it. So I'm just going to call it its English name, which is One Man Hide and Seek. Ooh, okay. So the game originated in Japan, and you might ask, how does one person play hide and seek alone? Well, you won't be alone. You'll be playing with a ghost or, in most cases, a demon. Doesn't that sound oh, fun? Right. 
Yeah. In um, one of the articles I read, the description of the game said, The spirits, which are wandering restless on the earth, are always looking for bodies to possess. In this ritual, you will summon a spirit by offering a doll instead of a human body. And it's like... Wait, so so you... Ha- you're, ooh, ooh, so you're playing against a doll? Yes. Ah! No! <laughs> what? Oh, fuck. This is so scary. But then I was like, you have to clarify... I feel like these need to be more clear. In the description, it's like, not spirits, it should say demons, because most spirits aren't trying to possess bodies. And like, sure, some spirits do attach themselves to dolls and whatnot to have that feeling of a human body again. But possess is a term that I associate heavily with demons and negative entities. Right. And I think that there's a bit of a difference between maybe like the spirit of a little girl who passed away attaching herself to her doll because it's a comfort type of thing and an entity going into the doll and actually walking around and moving inside of the body. Just you wait. I'm so scared. I'm literally looking down at my floor right now, like (laughs) scanning the room to make sure there's no like little (laughs) tiny dolls walking around. Yeah, after this, you'll probably freak out anytime you see a doll. Oh, Mr. Piggy, come to me now. Hold on to him tight. Okay, we're ready now. Okay, so this game is actually very similar to another game. If anyone's familiar, it's called Dry Bones. Um, but Dry Bones, you don't offer it a doll. You're just playing hide and seek with a demon, like straight up. You invite a demon into your other house and you're like, you have to hide from it for three hours. That sounds just like the one I'm going to do too. Oh, really? Because they're all similar. All the paranormal ones are just like, have a demon come in and then try to not get possessed. So fun. Good luck. Have fun. (laughs) Ready, set, go. This is going to be my new birthday party idea. I'm going to do all of these (laughs) paranormal games. Well, I will not be in attendance. (laughs) Okay. So one man hide and seek. Are you ready for shit to get cray? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. First, I'm going to tell you how to play and um just don't do it for all of our listeners you're all really smart so like i i trust you won't play but like please don't don't i i mean there's such a curiosity and i totally understand that but why risk getting possessed or getting hurt and i'll share some stories after i tell about the game and it's it's scary i just wouldn't want to risk it these ones aren't the ones to test out if you're gonna yeah okay so now i'm gonna tell you the recipe and all of the ingredients you'll need. You'll need one stuffed doll, and it needs to have all of its limbs because obviously the spirit wants to walk around. You need rice. Exactly. You need rice, enough to replace all of the stuffing within the doll. You need one needle, one crimson red thread, one sharp-edged tool such as a knife, a glass shard, or scissors, or... In some stories, people chose mechanical pencils, basically a weapon. Okay. You need one cup of salt water and using natural salt is preferred. And then you need a bathroom with a bathtub and a counter and a hiding place, preferably a room purified by incense. And there must be a TV in the room. So once you have all of your ingredients, you have to, you take the doll and you remove all of the stuffing from within the doll and then you replace it with rice and you have to make sure to complete to fill the doll completely because it's hungry. Ew. No, I made up that part. But you do need to fill up the doll completely. <laughs> um, then once... Okay, and then before you sew the doll back up, you must place your nail clippings within the doll. But then there were some different... Like I read a few different articles on what the rules of this game were, and some of them said 
to put pieces of your hair. So I think it's just something of you that you must put inside the doll. Some DNA. Yeah, it's kind of like Build-A-Bear when you like put the little heart into your Build-A-Bear before they sew it up. I didn't know that's what happened. I'm not sure I've ever been allowed to do a Build-A-Bear. <gasps> you haven't? No, I guess not. Corinne. I'm realizing now. That's... <laughs> I used to have so I had like ten build a bears. I honestly I probably did. I, I raised a lot of things from my memory. <laughs> same. We really are the same person, Corinne. <laughs> um, okay. So once you okay, so then once you put your a piece of you inside the doll, you have to sew the doll back up using the needle and a red thread, which the red thread is supposed to resent, represent a blood vessel, which will help seal the spirit inside the doll. Ugh. Yeah. Whenever I think of red thread, I just think of that that story, like the woman with the red ribbon, mm-hmm. like green ribbon or whatever. Emily. Anytime I wear one of those, what's it? It's like one of those scarves around your neck, and you tie it around. I I always think that I'm that woman, and once I take it off, my head's gonna fall off. So creepy. I would totally pay to see that. <laughs> You'd pay to see that, but you're not gonna come to my birthday where we're gonna play spooky paranormal games. Yeah. You'd rather see exactly. my head fall off. <laughs> Find a friend who will see your head fall off and pay to see it. <laughs> and if you can't find one, we'll be your friends. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll be those <laughs> friends for you. We're here for you. We got you guys. Okay, okay. Back to one man hide and seek. So once you've sewn up the doll, go to your bathroom and fill up your bathtub with water. And then go to your hiding spot and place the cup of salt water next to your hiding spot. And now you're ready to play one man hide and seek. Shall we play? Let's begin. Let's begin. Okay. So you wait for darkness. It's now 3 a.m. That's when your game must begin. While you're waiting for 3 a.m. The devil's hour. Yes. While you're waiting for 3 a.m. to arrive, give your doll a name. It can be any name, but it cannot be your own. So for this example, let's just say I name the doll Corinne. Because, Corinne, if I was playing this game, I would want my doll to be a spirit like you. Oh, thanks. Okay. So you're hoping for a demon who's a little less extreme. Right. He's like nice, like we'll like eat mac and cheese with me and like talk ghosts and do podcasts with me, you know. Banish people to Doll Island. Exactly, exactly what I'm looking for. (laughs) Okay, so now it's 3 a.m. Take your little freaky doll and say your name. So I would say Sabrina is the first it three times. Sabrina is the first it, Sabrina is the first it, Sabrina is the first it. And then... I would take the doll and put it in the bathtub that is filled with water. And then I would turn all of the lights off in my house. You have to turn all of the lights off in your house in order to play this game. And I would go back to my hiding room and I have to turn on the TV. So I'm the first it. So in the first round, you are going to go searching for the doll. So you go to your hiding spot, turn on the TV and count to 10 with your eyes closed. And then you're it. And now you have to go find the doll. So when you're going to find the doll, make sure you bring your weapon, which is that sharp edge tool. And um, you might need that because if you go to the bathroom, your doll might not be in the bathtub anymore. Oh. some In most of the stories, the doll still is in the bathtub, and it's not until later that it gets real freaky. But if the doll is not in the bathtub, or regardless, you have to go find the doll in the house. And then when you do, you find the doll and you exclaim, I have found you. Corinne in this version because I named the doll Corinne. So I have found you, Corinne, mm-hmm. or whatever name you, give, you gave your own doll, and then you have to stab it with your weapon. So if you're lucky, the doll is still in the tub, and then you just say, I have found you, Corinne, stab the doll, and then now it's the doll's turn to find you. 
See, Wait, what the heck? Why do you stab it? I don't know, Corinne. I didn't make up these rules, but that is part of the game. Because that now it seems like since you stabbed it, when it finds you, it's going to stab you. You are a brilliant person, Corinne, because yes. That's what happens. To, ah! So when so it doesn't happen in all stories but i'll I'll finish explaining the game and then we can i'll get to some stories where people don't have great experiences um okay so if you're lucky the doll's still in the tub and now it's the doll's turn to find you you take the doll out of the tub and you put it on the counter and you say to it you are the next it corinne and then you put the doll on the bathroom counter and you leave now you have 10 seconds to get into your hiding place and hide So you get into your spot and you take the cup of salt water. You basically like put half of the cup of water in your mouth so you don't swallow it, but you hold the salt water in your mouth while you're hiding. And then you have the other half of the cup in your hand. And then the doll may find you or it may not. But if it doesn't, you have to leave your spot after a certain amount of time and go find it and keep the salt water in your mouth. So when you do find it, and in most cases, when you do find it, it is not in the bathroom where you left it. And sometimes you'll find it waiting with a weapon holding the weapon in your hand sometimes you'll find it walking around your home however you find it can you imagine like squatting down behind a chair trying to hide and all of a sudden this like little teddy bear just walks up to you Ooh, no no exactly so when you find it you have to spit the salt water onto the doll and then pour the rest of the salt water from the cup and spit it and and then pour it onto the doll and then say, I win, I win, I win three times. Or say, I win three times. And then you have to do all of those steps in order to end the ritual. So by saying, I win, I win, I win, and spitting the water on the doll, that's how you end the ritual. And then the doll will most likely drop to the floor. And then the last step to make sure you end the ritual is to cut the red crimson thread in order to release the spirit from the doll. Okay. And then you have to allow the doll to dry and then burn it and discard the remains, which is the part of the game that actually worries me because, like we've said so many times, burning a haunted item is not kosher. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. How do you, how are you certain that the entity has left the doll? Well, every story I read, the entity still stayed around. So I don't. I so basically, don't play this game. Just don't play this game. There is no real end. There is no end. You just invited a demon. So one note: the reason that you have your TV on during the game is that when you're playing the game, the TV will start to like warp and it will make sounds. Sometimes it will like skip channels and make sentences out of the words that are on each channel and then Mm -hmm. sometimes it'll turn to static but it's all supposed to be it's all like the tv basically resembles the energy of a spirit being in your home and it's supposed to warn you about the spirit getting closer to you oh yeah there's actually a ton of youtube videos about the game and all the tv settings and i just i couldn't bring myself to watch them last night i wouldn't no. So that's like the ring. Like you watch the videotape and all of a sudden it exactly. comes to your house. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Also, it's creepy to like play this game with a TV playing static. Like as if the game's not creepy enough. Right. So that's the game. Sounds fun. Except not. And I just wanted to give these are the warnings I read that all come with this game as if the game itself isn't a warning enough. But there are six other warnings. 
So one, the first warning is it is said that if you have psychic abilities, you may feel unwell or be prone to accidents during the ritual. Two, you cannot leave your house until you have finished the entire ritual. If you do leave your house before the ritual is done, you risk letting the demon stay in your home. Mm-hmm. You must turn off every single life light in your house while you must turn off every single light in your house and remain quiet while hiding. Um, if you live with other people and decide to play this game, you are probably putting them in danger too. Oh no. You must keep the game under two hours or the spirit will be too strong to remove. And lastly, keep all of your doors unlocked for safety reasons and have friends nearby in case anything should go wrong. Maybe keep a phone nearby. To call the police, maybe? To call... Say hi, there's a little doll that I have... I created... a demon into, (laughs) and now I need your help because it's trying to stab me. Yep. Okay, so now do you want to hear some examples of people playing it? I do. Okay. There's this girl on Reddit. She's a 15-year-old girl, and she decided to play hide-and-seek alone. Alone. Alone, alone. Her parents were out of town, so she decided to... Uh, we got all the ingredients and make her doll. And then she started playing the game at exactly 3.02 a.m. And she decided to use a number two pencil as her weapon. When she told the doll that she was it, she returned to the bathroom and found the doll in the tub. But the eyes were flashing. Like it looked like it was like light was reflecting off the eyes in a way that it shouldn't have been because all of the lights in the house were off. That's really creepy. Mm-hmm. Like, woo. Yeah. And then it was the doll's turn to find her. So she hid in her closet and waited five minutes. She was getting bored. And so she got out. Nothing was happening. So she went to the bathroom to go end the game, except the doll wasn't there. Oh, no. So she ran to the kitchen and saw the doll walking around. And it was turning around its head, like looking for something. Her. It was looking for her. And the, oh my god. The doll wasn't holding the pencil that she had used to stab it in the first place. It was holding a razor edge, like a razor from a shaver. From the bathroom. Yeah. So she jumped at the doll and spit the water over on it and then poured the rest of the water on it and yelled, I win, I win, I win. And then the doll just hit the floor. So she ran to the yard and burned the doll and then she thought it was over so she was really scared so she went back into her house and decided to watch tv then the tv just turned black and she heard the words in her head these words came into her head you didn't win shit oh that's a bad sign yes and then all the lights started flickering on and off and the doors sounded like they were being opened and closed over again but then she like when she looked at the doors they were They remained shut, but it sounded like they were being opened and closed. So, Also, I don't know what's scarier, going outside into the middle of the night at like 3.30 to kill the doll and burn it, or being inside of your house with something (sighs) chasing you. I think being inside with something chasing you. Because if you're outside, you have places to go and run. I know, but what if other dark entities are lurking outside, attracted to the game? And you're just chased by all of them? Yeah. All of a sudden, Mothman starts swooping down <laughs> and try to grab you. Mothman, Hatman, <laughs> they invite the whole crew. Some chupacabras are howling yeah. from the tree line. Demon dogs, La Llorona. It's like the um, Arkham Asylum of the paranormal world. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so then this girl runs to her friend's house, and luckily her friend was awake, and so she kind of explained the whole situation. He was like, okay, you're crazy. You just summoned a demon. And so she spent the night at his house, and then she went home the next day, and the she had to confess, confess to her parents what had happened, and they called a priest to bless the house. And um, she did an update that after the priest blessed the house, she still felt weird things in her home. Oh, no. And now, my last story. This is in 2013. An American girl named Sarah was studying abroad in Japan. One evening, her and her host sister, Akane, were home alone. Akane told her about a game that she wanted to play. It was called Hitora, Hitoria Kakur and Bo. I'm sorry, guys. Hide and seek alone. Sarah had never heard of the game, but Akane said it was really fun and that other girls in her school had tried it. It's like a way to play hide and seek with ghosts. Sarah was a skeptic and she didn't believe in ghosts, so she thought, why not? This is probably nothing, but let's give it a try. So Akane stopped by the store, bought a doll, and returned home. Sarah watched as Akane tore out the stuffing and replaced it with rice, and Akane said, we have to give her a name. Let's call her Arena. So then she said, okay, now we need two drops of blood, one from you and one from me. They each pricked their fingers and rubbed the blood on the grains of rice of the doll, and then Akane sewed up the doll with the red thread. Then they got the rest of their supplies ready, salt water by their hiding spot, a knife for their weapon, and then it approached 3 a.m., so they turned the TV on and put the doll in the bathtub with water. They both looked at the doll and said, Akane and Sarah are the first it. Akane and Sarah are the first it. Akane and Sarah are the first it. Then they ran from the bathroom, turned off all of the lights, and went to the room with the TV on. Then Akane grabbed the knife, and they both counted to ten. They walked back to the bathroom and found the doll still in the tub, deep underwater. Deep underwater. They exclaimed, "Arena, Akane and Sarah found you!" So Sarah's thinking that nothing is going to happen. This is a silly game. She was right. She's a skeptic. No ghosts exist. So then they pulled Arena yeah. out of the water. And Akane stabs the knife into her and says, Arena is the second it. Arena is the second it. Arena is the second it. Then they put the doll on the counter and ran to their hiding spots. They both went into the closet and hid together. They both took a gulp of the salt water, held it in their mouths, and waited. Akane left the closet door open just a crack just to see the rest of the room. And they sat there for five minutes, but nothing. It was silent. So Sarah's like, okay, this is a stupid game. But then... The TV in the room started acting weird. It started switching channels, but it started to form sentences from words on different channels. Oh, what? I will find you. No, <laughs> I'm scared. Then they heard a thump. Where are you? Footsteps. Are you in here? Silence. I found you. <laughs> and then Akane let out a piercing scream as a knife went into her eye. Sarah was terrified, but Akane said, you have to finish the ritual. She was in such shock that this knife is in her eye. And so she wondered. The so Sarah left the closet and looked into the room, but the doll wasn't there. So Are she you kidding me? <laughs> now she's got to go track down this like yeah. evil eye stabbing doll. Yeah. 
So she's wandering around this house with salt water in her mouth, clutching the remaining salt water in the cup in her right hand. She went into the bathroom, but Arena wasn't there. She went into the bedroom, and Arena is sitting on Akane's bed, grinning. So Ew. Sarah spits the water and dumps the rest of the water on the doll, shouting, I win, I win, I win. Then she cuts the red thread, grabs the doll, and threw it into a trash can and burned it outside. Akane was then taken to the hospital, where she was told that she was now blind in that eye. And they went home the next day, but that wasn't the end of the game. So for the nights nights following the game, there would be footsteps outside their bedroom doors at 3 a.m. The TV would change channels and the sound would warp. Akane said she could still see Arena walking around the house, but only through her blind eye. That's messed up. Yeah. And Oh, my God. She's got a... I don't even know what to think because it's just it, number one. It's really cool, and <laughs> such a like superhero power to have one eyeball that can see the supernatural world. But yeah. that's also so incredibly terrifying, and you can't escape. And there's nothing like your eye is technically a dead eye. Like right. there's nothing you can do to ch- stop from seeing that. I also wonder if it's all of the spirit world or if it's just Arena because Arena like caused that damage and now is like connected to that eye and is like yeah. haunting her specifically in that way. I also like so when they were in the closet, they were, I'm assuming, sitting down or crouched down. Yeah. So if she had been standing, she would have just been stabbed in the leg, most likely. So, but also, don't play the game. But if you do, don't don't be eye level to yeah whatever doll you're yeah. And also, apparently, the rules specifically say a nail clipping or hair, a piece of hair, and they put blood, which I think is supposed to curse them. Like it, that's what they learned is that blood curses them, and so they kind of didn't follow the rules specifically. So it. They messed up from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, what a fun game. Not something that I would ever play, and I hope not something that anyone else wants to play. Please, guys. I mean, our listeners are so much smarter than that, I think. Um, Yeah, well, I don't even know if it has to do with intelligence. I think it's just like, it's like adrenaline junkies. Like, you know that you will die if you jump off of a mountain, but still some people do hoping that those wingsuits will catch them because it's just something about something in you that just wants to do what you're not supposed to i know when you're told not to do something Mm -hmm. so should we start telling everyone to do it so that they don't do it (laughs) and then they won't (laughs) but also people when they're given permission to do something they do it also i just can't it's one thing to play these games when you're with a big group of people or like it's light outside but these people are staying up until 3 a.m. And doing it these alone. Olds. I I mean, hey, seriously, props to you if you have the courage to do that. I could never. But also don't do it. And don't do the midnight game either, which is what I chose. Okay. The midnight game is very popular. So popular that it was actually turned into a film, which I did not watch because I do not <laughs> want to see that. Kind of like yours. I don't know why anyone would play this game. (laughs) There's, I mean, you can kind of win, but not really. Everyone's a loser in the end. So (laughs) Uh, this game is considered extreme and it's considered very dangerous. 
The game is believed to be an old pagan ritual that was used as punishment to those oftentimes children who had disobeyed their religion. Oh my gosh. Which just like, how messed up was that time that these people were like, oh, you misbehaved, child. Now you must summon a demon. Their punishments back then, even, yeah, they were, they were not so. So the premise of the game is that at midnight, you summon the midnight man to your home. And he is a demonic presence. And once he's there, you have to avoid him and you have to move from room to room until 3.33. And if you've made it to 3.33 without being caught, you've won. That's such a long time. It's three hours and 33 minutes of walking around your house trying to avoid a demon. That's a really long time. That's a really long time. If he catches you, he will create these extreme hallucinations of your worst nightmare. And some say he will even kill you by removing your intestines. Oh, what? (laughs) But even if you do win, you're not necessarily safe because, again, similar to yours, Sabrina, the Midnight Man has been known to overstay his welcome beyond the game's end. Oh, I'm just like... I really wonder why people play these games. To disprove them? Do you think that's why? I don't know. I think it's more about the thrill. It's about like the suspense. I'm like cool watching a scary movie. Like that's enough suspense for me. Right. So we won't play these. We're just talking about them. Um, So this game is pretty easy. Unlike any, unlike many of the other games that, that have like a ton of steps. This has fewer steps. And it can be played by multiple people. So if you're too scared to do this alone, you can uh, invite your friends over to join you and (laughs) together make the worst decision of your life. (laughs) There's actually a warning. It says to play at your own risk, but it's strongly, strongly advised to never play this at all. Oh, man. And here are the rules. Okay, let's hear them. You will need one candle, a lighter or matches, a piece of paper, something to write with, a pin, salt, and a closed wooden door. So the majority of the stuff you're actually going to use before to like create and like summon the Midnight Man. So when you're actually playing the game, you don't have to remember all these steps. It's more just like trying to avoid him. <laughs> so first, you must invite the Midnight Man to your home. To do this, you write your full name on a piece of paper. So Sabrina, Isabella, what's your, what are your, all your Sabrina Page, Isabella Deanna Roga. Yeah, so that's what you would write on a piece of paper. And then you prick your finger with a pin and you squeeze just a tiny dot of blood out, which she'll then just dab onto the paper to let the paper soak up your blood. Mm. Then you turn off all of the lights and you place the bloody paper with your name at the front of the closed wooden door. You then need to light the candle and put it on top of the paper. And then you knock on the door 22 times. But the most important thing is that your very last knock, the 22nd knock, must occur exactly at midnight. And then you open the door, you blow out the candle, close the door, and once the door is closed, you relight your candle as quickly as possible. And if you're playing with more than one player, all players must separately do all these steps. So write their names, prick their finger, all that. Everyone gets a candle. Okay. I'm kind of glad it's 22 times and the last one has to be at midnight exactly because that makes it tricky. 
And it, it's a step yes. that like you could mess up very easily and prevent anything from coming in, which would be great. Right. Right. It makes it does make it harder. But if you do get through, you now have to avoid the midnight man in darkness for three and a half hours. And you cannot stop moving around your house until 3.33 a.m. You have to keep your candle with you and make sure to relight it quickly if it goes out. I think you have about 10 seconds, they say, usually before the midnight man can get to you. Because the point, really the thing in the game is that he can't get you if you have light on you. But you, all the lights are off. So really only the candlelight is protecting you. So if it goes out... Your fair game. He'll come grab you. Oh, my gosh. So you have to keep moving with your candle lit. If it doesn't relight, if it goes out, you have to draw a circle of salt around you and stay in that circle for the rest of the time to stay safe. Okay. So some people have had their candle go out like in the first hour and had to sit there for like two and a half hours in a salt circle in complete darkness. I would be terrified. Yeah. It sounds... I read a lot of Reddit stories, and none of them turned out great. <laughs> and then at 3.33, the game has ended, and you can turn the lights back on, leave your salt circles, blow out your candles, la-di-da. If you made it until 3.33 with your candle lit, technically, you won. If you had to draw a salt circle around you, you lost, but the salt at least protected you. Oh my gosh. And if you did neither, you most likely were attacked by the Midnight Man and given hallucinations or injured. Or your intestines are ripped out. Or you're dead. So how do you know if the Midnight Man is close to you? People who have played said that the temperature will drop, the candle may go out, soft whispers will fill the room, and a humanoid figure will appear. If you feel any of these things, you must leave the room immediately with your lit candle or create a salt circle around you if you can't light your candle again. You just got to keep moving. Never stop. If you ever stop, you better be in a salt circle. Can you make salt circles ahead of time? Oh, that's so smart. I wonder if that would work. Yeah. Or do you have to do it? Just jump from salt circle to salt (laughs) circle? Interesting. I don't know. I wonder. Let us know. If anyone's ever played, let us know. (gasps) What just happened? What? Sabrina? Yeah. Holy shit, that was scary. What happened? You just talked at like five times speed. Oh, man. We are not trying (laughs) to play this game, Midnight Man. It's not midnight. Leave us alone. No. Okay. You cannot cheat at the game or bad things will happen. So you can't, similar to your story, you cannot leave the house You cannot turn the lights on. You cannot use a flashlight. You cannot fall asleep. I don't know who would fall asleep (laughs) while playing this. You cannot use a lighter in place of a candle. And you cannot use other people's blood in place of yours. And you cannot provoke the midnight man. And remember that the game ends at 3.33. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the midnight man has left your house for good. So I read a few stories that people posted online about their experiences. And a common theme seems to be that people don't see much for the first hour. Like pretty much the entire first hour goes by and everyone's like, this is fun. And then they walk around and then they let their guard down because they're like, oh, maybe it doesn't work. And then he makes his presence known. One (sighs) girl, Ariel, was playing alone. Nothing much happened for the first hour except for some small noises here and there. And then she was walking down hallway upstairs and her candle blew out, but she relit it really quick 
And that seemed to be the solution. And her heart was racing because she was like, oh, my gosh, this is the first thing that happened. (laughs) My candle went out, but I did it within the 10 seconds. I'm okay. And so she continued to walk because she was like, okay, maybe this shit is real. And she walks past the living room downstairs and realized that the game is very real because sitting in a chair looking at her was a black humanoid figure. No. Figure. Like blacker than black. The eyes are even blacker. These like super concentrated black masses. And she stepped back out of the room slowly and continued from room to room, terrified that the midnight man was going to catch up to her, obviously. And not long after this, she heard a whisper and then she heard her cat meowing from her bedroom. (gasps) And she had three cats. And as soon as the game had started at midnight, all three cats had ran up to her room to hide under her bed. Baby. And so she was like, okay, that's a little creepy. The cats are tuning into something. So then this is a couple hours later. One of the cats is meowing, like terrified. So she's like, I need to save my cat. Yeah. So she bravely went to go investigate, still holding her candle. And what a she good found cat one mom. Of her, such a good cat mom. Wouldn't you do it though? Like oh, anyone would do it. For absolutely, their pet. I'd sacrifice everything for Leia. Yeah, your pet's your baby. Uh, and she found one of her cats completely frozen on her bed, <gasps> staring up at the black humanoid figure that was looking down at it. Then, the midnight man turns its gaze to Ariel, a gaze which she described as a very cold. And not really knowing what to do, she just said, "Please don't hurt my cats." <laughs> <laughs> And with that, the candle blew out, the figure left the room, and her cat retreated to under the bed to join the other two. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Ariel quickly relit the candle again and decided to go downstairs once more. And as she passed a bookshelf, the DVDs on the top shelf of the bookshelf flew off, and her candle blew out again. So terrified, (gasps) she was like, I'm honestly probably not going to be able to relight the candle in 10 seconds. So she sprinted as fast as she could to the kitchen, grabbed the salt, and threw the salt in a circle around her. Wow. And so she stood there in the salt circle for the remaining time, which was like about 45 minutes, and she was just watching the clock. And from where she was standing, she had a view of the living room. And about five minutes before the game ended, she noticed that the midnight man had returned to the seat, which she had seen him in previously, sitting in the living room in that chair. And she's still standing in the salt circle. And there's like five more minutes of the game. So she's kind of technically safe. And so she says out loud to him, she speaks to him. She says, congratulations, sir, you won. But let me say you are amazing at scaring people. I salute you. (laughs) And then she just waited five more minutes before the game was over. And just moments before the clock strikes 3.33, a whisper comes right next to her face (gasps) and says, thank you, Ariel. No. And she stood frozen, completely terrified in the salt circle for a while after the 3.33 mark. Oh. And then that was that. But other people haven't been so lucky. She, as scary as it was, her experience wasn't quite as horrible when being in the salt circle as other people. A couple of cousins were playing and they had to retreat to a salt circle and spend the rest of the time there. And 
for the entire time they were in the salt circle, they heard footsteps stomping loudly around them and an occasional face would appear out I was, of the darkness really close to them. I was truly like, that was what I was picturing was going to happen to Ariel was that the Midnight Man would just stand right outside the circle staring at her. Yeah, that's what happened to these guys. And at one point, not one, but two humanoid figures no. appeared. So it was like <gasps> as if he doubled his body. Well, like, do you think that... Duplicated. Well, I wonder if there are multiple spirits that or multiple demons that claim to be the midnight men or play this game or like are you in when you play this game do you invite any demon and they they all have been like filled in on what the game is and they just like show up when they want and so if you play with multiple people it's one demon per person oh maybe because there were a few stories that had talked about two seeing two figures so that's quite possible I didn't think about that. But there is. So this one, there was a group of three friends who were playing and some candles went out for two of them and they had to get into a salt circle and they were trying to coax their third friend into the salt circle. But her candle was still going. So I think technically she needed to still go. And they were like, just come in the salt circle. And she was like, ah, like just kept going into the other room, (laughs) like panicking. And then the two friends in the salt circle soon heard her screams (gasps) from the other room. But they... They didn't leave their salt circle because they were like, oh, my God, trying to take care of themselves, you know. Right. And so when the game was over, they rushed through the house to find her and they found her in a bedroom. She was curled up, completely panicked. And apparently the midnight man had found her, got her, made her or basically gave her these like terrifying hallucinations (gasps) and had convinced her that her two friends that were in the salt circle had been murdered, that he had killed them. Oh. So that's why she was screaming. Oh my gosh. And she wouldn't tell them all the details and was very shaken up. And apparently after playing that game, she like really, she completely changed and she cut off a lot of people from her life and she only talked to like a set amount that's of people. so scary like Her and parents sad. and these two friends and like a couple other people, but she wasn't the like cherry happy social person that she was before the game that is so sad and that is the midnight man and this used to be like little children pagan children would play this game little tiny children in middle of nowhere massachusetts were playing this game and accusing people of witchcraft <sighs> like who comes up with these it's games up. i don't know so i mean We've already said it a million times. We don't have to tell you guys that we strongly advise to not play any of these games. They're just fun and spooky to hear about other people playing. Yeah, get your thrills by enough. going to Reddit and reading the stories. And also, there's just so many different games. I There was one, Corinne. I was, like, shocked by it. It was a game to summon succubus and incubus spirits. Oh, and I, I actually I mean, I guess, one. like... I guess if you like are down for it and you really want to do it with a demon, sure. But like, uh, yeah. But then you're inviting them and to come anytime. The uh, yeah, the other thing too would like. I'm glad that neither of us did that one because technically, to tell you how to play the game, we'd have to say the words out loud. There's yeah. a certain saying you say to invite this entity yeah. to your home. And into you. And it's just mm, best to avoid. Like, can we invite 
Santa Claus instead of demons or, you know, <laughs> something nice and pleasant. That would be nice, but that's not the way the world works, apparently. It's not as exciting as getting a demon to chase you around the house <laughs> or a little doll to try to stab you. I don't know. Santa Claus is pretty exciting, Corinna. I don't, I don't know. I'd be down yeah, with Santa. I, I agree. Okay. Should we do some listener yeah, stories? we have listener stories. Okay. Let's see. Mine is from Austin, and the subject line is fears. Dear Sabrina and Corinne. So on episode 19, one of you, I still can't tell the difference between your guys' voices, talks about being (laughs) scared of getting locked into a room forever. I think that was... Was it you? I think it was me. But then I also think, haven't you voiced that opinion? I don't know. Depends on what's in the room. If I'm going to be entertained, I could stay there a while. Yeah, but not if like a demon's locking you in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's just scary. Moving on. We're both scared. Everyone is. (laughs) I'm scared. We're scared of everything. It's very clear. Um, Okay. Well... When I was seven, I was playing a game of hide-and-seek with my brother and cousins. So instead of having closets inside of mine in my brother's room, they were right outside of our rooms. Anyway, back to the story. We were playing hide-and-seek when I decided to hide in my closet. Now, mind you, it was barely big enough to fit me. Then my cousin shoved her way in and shut the door. Her back was against the door and mine was against the back wall. We had been hiding for about 10 minutes when my brother tried to open the door. He started yelling at us to open it because he had found us. I reached around my cousin and tried to open the door, but it wouldn't open. So we started to freak out. We were home alone with no adult and we had no phone. My mom was home about half an hour later and we were still in the closet. Whoa. It took a little longer to get out. My mom had to break the door to open it. Needless to say, I'm extremely claustrophobic. This isn't the only thing that has happened to me in my house. My mom used to say that I would talk to a person called Dr. Brenna. Well, last summer, my little brother Zeke, aged four, was playing on a tramp on the trampoline. He was talking to his imaginary friend. When I asked him for the name of the, an imaginary friend, he said, Dr. Brenna. My blood ran cold. There was no way he could know. I had never told anyone about this, and my brother has a different mom than I do. So then one day after school, about a year and a half after we were locked in the closet, my brother and I had walked into my house yelling for my mom. I heard something yell from upstairs like, I'm upstairs, honey. I walked into the kitchen to get an obligatory snack, and I saw a note on the fridge that said my mom was grocery shopping and my brother was in charge until she got home. I yelled for my brother and we booked it. We stayed outside until my mom got home. The most terrifying thing in my house then had to be the shadow man i was trying to sleep when i noticed the shadow of a tall man wearing a cowboy hat at first i tried to ignore (gasps) it yeah at first i tried to ignore it i tried to ignore it but as soon but soon felt it staring at me i felt awful and i threw up alerting my mom when the hall lights turned on the man was gone anyway thanks for listening to my stories peace love safety and joy ciao austin okay austin this is really scary i hate the I the worst uh just anything mimicking the sound of one of your family members or especially like your mom trying to be like oh come here yeah I'm over here that I have full body chills right now oh my and gosh. like was it the same thing that locked them in the closet <gasps> uh, I don't know at least he wasn't alone in the closet can you imagine being alone I imagine I was just gonna say I imagine the two of them like panicking him and his cousin and then up above them in the closet is this like creepy shadow thing on the ceiling like looking down at them watching them panic and like just getting 
That's so scary. And also scary for the kid who's outside of the closet, who's now alone in the entire house and the closet won't open and he's just sitting there like so exposed. And when you're young, like you just feel like nothing's ever going to help you. He was seven. His brother was, I think he said 10. Maybe I made that up. But they they were young kids and their mom wasn't home. And yeah, when you're that young, you don't have the ability to look forward into like the future. You'd like are so stuck in what's happening right now that I'm sure they were like, oh my gosh, this is the end. I, playing this game of hide and seek, killed my brother and my cousin. They're never gonna get out of that closet. I got locked in uh, my childhood bedroom when I was younger. Really? It it wasn't anything paranormal. The lock just like (laughs) broke and I was stuck. (laughs) And my mom had to call my dad at work and he had to give (laughs) instructions over the phone about how to, take off the door handle oh my to gosh. get me out so i was stuck in there for like i mean my mom got the door handle off so basically i was just like looking through the hole at her for like 15 minutes while we were trying to take the thing off. i used to when i'd have play dates with friends i used to we used to like when my mom would be coming we're like okay my your mom's coming like in five minutes so like let's go hide so we would most of the time hide in like the linen closet in um, in whatever friend's house and we would just sit in there and wait until like we'd hope my mom would go home and be like oh sabrina's not here i guess i'll just go home (laughs) like as if that would work i guess i'll just leave without my (laughs) child yeah oh such a little kid way of thinking i know she'll just leave she won't be concerned (laughs) or mad all right okay this is from ellie it's called Ouija boards, a.k.a. being stalked by a demon for 10 plus years. Damn. Okay. Yep. As if we need another reason not to play Ouija boards. Over 10 years. That's a long time. It's a long time. Dear Corinne and Sabrina, just really quick, I wanted to say I love your podcast. You two are totally charming and have a wonderful gift for telling stories. And I get such good vibes and energy listening to your podcast. Such a compliment. We give off good energy. That's really nice. That's very nice. It's like probably the best compliment we've ever gotten. And I'm glad that that's the case because we're talking about scary things, but I'm glad to hear that there's somewhat of like a lighter, more protective vibe with what we're saying so we haven't gotten possessed yet that's amazing bless up blessed be praise be under his eye may the lord open (laughs) (laughs) okay go ahead this story is my one and only experience with a ouija board it all started this summer in between middle school and high school i was sleeping over at my best friend kate's house a lot We would do the normal sleepover things, eat junk food, watch movies that we weren't supposed to watch, and talk about boys and girls we liked. Apparently, that wasn't doing it for Kate anymore since I came over one week for our normal sleepover shenanigans and there's a fucking Ouija board on the floor. (laughs) I should have noped out then, but younger and semi-innocent Ellie was too curious for her own good. I I asked her, Kate, what's that? Kate said, a Ouija board. It's a game you can play to talk to spirits. This sounds super cool to me, and so I was just like, oh, cool, let's play with it. Fast forward to about midnight, and we sat down on the floor in the middle of the room and said, hello. We used it about three to four times over the following week, and nothing happened. We would only ask it dumb teenager girl stuff like, are we going to be rich and famous? (laughs) Does this person like me? Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) One night, shit got real. We were asking our usual questions when we finally got a response. The planchette moved to hello. We were a little startled, but the thrill set in, 
and we asked who we were talking to. The board spelled out D-A-N-A, Dana. My jackass self immediately makes the Ghostbusters joke, there is no Dana, only Zool. Zool. The entity gave no response to my awful joke. We continued to ask it questions, and it continued to give us positive answers. After a while, we decided to go to bed. That's when we made our biggest mistake. We did not say goodbye. <gasps> no. Oh. That night, Kate and I woke up at, exact- at exactly 3 a.m., and I felt eyes on us. A heavy sense of dread, and the room was so cold we could see our breath. We immediately, we were immediately drawn to look into the dark corner where we saw a giant black mass. No. We were praying that it was just a weird shadow and Kate turned the light on. The giant black mass was still there. (sighs) There was nothing to cast a shadow in the corner and the mass was about three feet wide and seven feet tall. Paralyzed in fear, we just asked, Dana, is that you? Right when we asked, a little doll got knocked off of the shelf onto the floor. Uh. We then said, what are you still doing here? And the planchette in the Ouija board started moving rapidly, and we didn't get to it in time to see what it was saying. We told the entity, we need to go to bed. We need to say goodbye. Then the planchette shot over to no. It stayed there for a moment, then moved away, and then back to no. It kept moving back and forth to no, and to <gasps> it kept moving back and forth to no, and the bookshelf started shaking. We ran over to the board, and t- it took the two of us to move the planchette to goodbye. Then everything went silent. We ran upstairs and slept in her parents' room that night. We agreed not to mess with it again, and the next morning, I went home. A few weeks later, I woke up in my room at 3 a.m. on the dot. Same feeling of dread. Felt like I was being watched, and it was freezing cold. Oh my gosh. I looked over into the corner of my room and saw that familiar black mass. All that could come out of my mouth was, Dana, is that you? Oh, no. One of my toys flew off the shelf, and I hauled my ass to my parents' room and slept in there. The next morning, I called Kate to tell her what happened, and Kate said, Oh, sorry about that. I played with it last <gasps> night. No. Kate. I asked her if she said goodbye, and she said, I don't remember. I think so. What the fuck, Kate? <laughs> I told her that Dana had paid me a visit the previous night, and we agreed that we needed to find a way to get rid of whatever came through the portal that we had opened up. A few days later, I came over for another sleepover, and Kate told me about weird things that had been happening. Her sheets getting ripped off of her, cold spots, things moving by themselves, animals acting weird. Then Kate said, don't worry, I figured it out. I've been doing some reading, and I'm pretty sure it's just, it just has some unresolved business. If we can help Dana, she will move on. Like an idiot, I agreed to use the board one last time. No. We go into the living room later that night to use the board. Note, there are giant heavy bookshelves in the living room. We asked Dana if she was still here. The board spelled out H-U-R-T. We asked, did someone hurt you? It said, no. We asked, what do you mean by hurt? The coffee table started rattling. (gasps) The board spelled out N-E-E-D-T-O-H-U-R-T. Need to hurt. I looked at Kate and said, we need to say goodbye now. (laughs) Yes. We moved the planchette to goodbye, but it didn't stop. Ah! 
The bookshelves in the living room were yanked down onto the floor, spilling books everywhere. One of those books was an old leather Bible, and the Bible flew up in the air and got ripped into shreds. Kate's parents heard the loud boom of the shelves falling and came running downstairs and made it in time to see the Bible get ripped apart. <gasps> what? Oh, this is like out of a possession movie. Oh, yes. Needless to say, Kate and I were crying and cowering in fear. They took me and Kate to my house while they got a priest to bless the house. Luckily, the activity stopped for a few years. About eight years later, I was at my parents' place playing with my five-year-old niece in her playroom. My niece started talking about her friend that liked to play with my old toys that I had gifted to my niece. I asked her what her friend's name was. My niece replied, Dana. (laughs) No. My body ran cold. And immediately, I got her out of the house. I called my best friend, who was a Wiccan, and she immediately came over to bless the house. That was six or so years ago. I have been going through an extremely stressful time in my life in the past few months, and activity has been ramping up a lot. I feel that it's only a matter of time before I look into the corner and see that black mask and have to ask, Dana, is that you? Ellie. Holy shit. Oh. I have full body chills. <sighs> oh my gosh, I literally just knocked my recording device over because I just whipped my arm around so fast in fear. Oh my god. She did update us too. She updated us. Oh. Do you want to read the update? Yeah, I'll read it. Uh, okay, so she says, I do have some good news. I recently moved to a new apartment and I immediately saged the entire place. When I reached for the sage, I felt a strong, heavy, and angry presence behind me. Yikes. And the entire time I was saging, I saw a black mass out of the corner of my eye. I was so scared, but I kept it up. The more I saged, the less heavy and angry the presence became. After I finished, I took a cleansing bath with herbs recommended by my Wiccan friend, who also gave me a protective crystal that she had blessed. And after that, I spent time putting positive energy back into the space and the activity has stopped. Hopefully that will keep Dana away this time. I've always been curious about who she or it is. But like you said, I didn't want to give her more power. Not a lot of people believe me when I tell them about my experiences and I appreciate that you guys do. I haven't spoken to Kate in many years. Unfortunately, we lost touch when she moved out of state a few years after our experience. You guys are awesome. My podcast co-host and I adore you. See you on the other side, Ellie. Okay, I'm really glad that the saging worked and that yes. this new space is filled with light like from the get-go. I agree. But oh, I can't help but wonder what's happening to her niece now, you know? That imaginary it's, friend Dana. But it sounds like it's not trying to get to the niece it look it sounds like it's trying to get to her through the niece right like maybe she dana only came that like day right and it was like taunting her it's like you think i was you thought i was gone and now no actually i'm not and i also have access to like all of your family members i cannot believe kate played with the ouija board again it just but that makes me wonder if something else is going on with kate like did did Dana, like, kind of force her to play with the Ouija board again? Yeah, it's possible. But also, why didn't Kate's – I mean, they took the extra steps to get a priest into the house. Why did they keep the Ouija board in the house? Yeah. not a, There's just so many – because people, I feel like, think that once you get a priest, everything's 
all good and you don't have to get rid of those things and I wonder I wonder if because obviously Ouija boards are manufactured and marketed by these really big toy companies for children that are like aged eight and up apparently um and I wonder if anything happens in those factories or to those people that are making the Ouija boards I thought you were going somewhere else with it that there's a conspiracy and the the companies that make all these boards are like holding seances in the factories and that's what's cursing all these boards or maybe all of the people that work there are possessed by demons and they just keep pumping them out because the demons tell them to they're lizard people (laughs) we're not going into that (laughs) should we go take a tour of the ouija board factory and do a podcast episode there (laughs) oh my gosh yes Okay. I would do that. I'd wear a hazmat suit and just smoke myself <laughs> with sage before we go in, but um we should do some research and find out where the Ouija board factory is. It's probably like Mattel or one of those big toy yeah, companies that makes yeah. them. It's probably like right next to the oh, I was about to say Furbies, but they don't exist anymore, do Wait, they? Wait, yes they do. They totally do. do they yeah. They make them again? Yeah, yeah. And they're just as creepy. <laughs> Play, you should play that one man hide and seek with a Furby. No, they're creepy enough without playing games with them. The like heavy eye blinks. And then mm. they would like wake up in the middle of the night. I'm hungry. Feed me. Mine didn't really speak English because I just spoke the Furby language to it. Because it came with a pamphlet with like words. Mine spoke So I was just speaking gibberish to it all the time. That would be scary, Corinne and her Furby speaking weird <laughs> languages to each other. My mom did say I was a, a scary child. I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> wow. Okay. This was scary. Yes. This was a scary episode. Please, everyone, don't don't play these games. I'm, I'm torn because like I don't want people to play these games, but I also want to hear our listener stories of these of these games. So if you've already played them, tell us your stories. If you haven't played them, great. You're you're safe, you're healthy, you're happy. Don't play them. Yeah. That's only only email us about your past mistakes, not ones that you're we, gonna make after the episode. We won't, we won't read it or respond to you if you play it after hearing this because we'll be upset with you. We'll be too scared. <laughs> we'll be scared that it's actually the demon you summoned that's emailing us. Oh my gosh, could you imagine if we got emailed by a possessed person? I did text you after reading one and I was like, I think we got emailed by someone who's possessed. (laughs) Yeah, there's times where we spend like two and a half, three hours of just reading your ghost stories and puts you in a weird place, let me tell you. It does. A a dark, dark place. Yeah, Nick comes home and he's like, there's something dark in here. (laughs) It's just all the ghosts that follow me every day. Um, Okay, we have... Or like we said, just to reiterate, our email is two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. So if you want to email us about any of your ghost stories, it doesn't have to be about playing games. It could be anything. Uh, please do. And we have social media. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. We have a Facebook group you can join. There's a Facebook page that's like a business page that you can like and rate. And you can also rate us on iTunes. Yes. Please. Five stars please and then we have patreon so if you feel like helping us grow or supporting our podcast 
financially, you can donate to Patreon and we promise to make it worth your time. Um, actually, the next few episodes are topics all picked by uh, Patreon donors because mm-hmm. there are some tiers that are the bon- the prizes are you get to pick a topic. So if you want to pick a topic in the future, you can sign up. And then we also, we're really excited. We have some new merch that we are getting together and we'll have out in the next few weeks. So check out our merch website. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And to get $20 off and free shipping on Brooklyn and Sheets, use the promo code TGOG at brooklinen.com. Great. Wonderful. This has Thank been fun. Thank you for joining us. We hope you come back next week. Please do. Join us for good vibes. Apparently, we give off. Good vibes. Good vibes. Oh, and just a really quick uh, Facebook update. We did add a couple rules to our Facebook group just for comfort and safety of everyone in the group. Go check it out and post some scary stuff and read about people's stories in our Facebook group. Yes, we will. See you you on the other other side. side.